No, but I would say like I, I was a very insecure like kid, and I had no um, I had no belief in myself whatsoever, and I was just like there trying to like figure out who I could be influenced by, who could be around, were they going to accept me, and you know what I mean. I didn't. I had none of that, so I would just I probably tell myself like, it's like, hey man, like you know, you're enough, you're, you're good. Mm. Don't stress it, you know, and you can achieve anything. What's up, everyone? Mindful Millennials, we're back. Episode four, is it? Four, I think it's four. four. Um, it depends if we include the pilot as episode one. Yes, a lot of people have been asking about it. We've been getting a bit confused about it. <laughs> I said there's a pilot. Pilot, episode one, two, three. Um, we'll call it four. Let's call it four. Privilege this week to have, as we said, we have another, we're having another guest. Uh, we've got Mr. Danny Schwartz, um, international male model, I guess. And just fucking York. legend, to be honest with you. legend. Dan's like one of my best friends. I used to live with Danny in New York. Um, we met through other friends, but quickly realised we got on better than <laughs> we did with our own mates. Um, and I've known Dan for like 12 years now. And Nick used to come out to New York like twice a year at some points. And so knows Dan yeah, a little bit. A little bit um, but Danny's an interesting song. guy. Um, there's more to it than model, I assure you. And um, Yeah, we had a really interesting chat, like, got right in in depth about moving to New York where he came from originally and a lot of the lessons that he learned which um brushes over quite a few topics that we've touched on yeah this one's this one's broad um but all worthwhile so hope you enjoy it this is me Nick and my boy Danny Schwartz Because it comes across, no, you can hear oh, it. There's the first edit. There's the first oh. edit. <laughs> What's up, people? How you doing? Um, it's the Mindful Millennials. We're back. Um, hope everyone's had a good week and enjoyed last week's podcast. And you're keeping all those resolutions and habits going strong. Today we have a guest. Now, the guest today is my boy, Danny Schwartz. Um, Danny is like, truly one of my closest friends like Nick. Um, we used to live together in New York, um, but he's back in London because his sister's had a baby. So congrats, Janie, if you're listening. And um, before he takes back off, we try to nab him because I think he's got a pretty interesting story and you guys are gonna enjoy some of the things he has to say. Um, Nick and Danny also know each other because Nick used to come out to New York twice a year at some point, <laughs> yeah. yeah. For, for a weekend um, away from London. So right, Nick and Danny passage. are familiar with each other, but <laughs> obviously don't know each other as well as Danny and I. So, Danny, what's up? Hello. How hey, are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. So I don't know how we start this because you're an interesting fella. So, <laughs> so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about like, who you are, what you're about, what you do for a living, what you've done for a living, like... And well, see what happens. I mean, sounds like it requires a long answer. <laughs> Give um, us the cliff notes. Yeah, so I, well, like Freddie says, I've known him for a long time now, twelve years. I, and, uh, I guess something like that. Uh, but I've been in New York for a long time. I'm a, just a simple lad coming out of like South London, Croydon. Um, and I like this podcast because of uh, the, the, what's based on like uh, mental health of men, and I think it's something that we. Uh, don't touch on too much and it's nice for guys to be able to open up somewhere and speak honestly about stuff so 
Yeah, um, backstory is like, uh, should I just go into detail? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> no, just say, where did you grow up? Like, So I grew up in uh, Croydon. So I grew up really uh, quite poor. It was um, a difficult childhood, I'd have to say. And uh, my dad worked like a dog at uh, spraying cars and whatnot. And I, I went to a bad school. We didn't have a lot of money. It was difficult to understand that when I was young. I used to ask my mum for like, why have we got the... 16p cola and the 26p cola why haven't we got real coke and it was just like you make comparisons of yourself from a young age with other kids you see what they're wearing the shoes that they've got and things that they have and you know as I realized that uh we were just a poor family a struggling struggling family and then my family had some abuse issues with you know drugs and alcohol and stuff like that which is a difficult thing to navigate when you're young wow but for me, like it was a school, uh, what I really want to touch on is that, you know, in my school years, I, I, I never learned what it is that I wanted to do. Do you know what I mean? Like um, mm. what I wanted to be. There was no one saying, Danny, like, what, what are you going to do? Like, what's this? And where are you going to be in the future? It was like I was very much on my own uh, at that young age and trying to work out what it was all about, you know, and trying to find something that justified my existence. And it was difficult to find. And it wasn't until... I kind of left school and had to go to work and I worked shitty jobs and I was in the real world and just how detrimental that education can be in dictating where you end up. So my education really has been like, luckily I've got this modeling thing. I knew that I wanted out. I wanted something more for my own life and I didn't know how to get there having a real lack of education, real education. So I've always been interested in the arts. Music has always been a big yeah. thing for me. So I pushed that and it, it's taken me a long time to discover what makes me tick, what it is that I want. And New York was a, it was a real blessing for me, even though like the modeling wasn't something I necessarily wanted to do or enjoyed doing it. It was a, it was an escape. It was a way out, you know, it was a ticket to Means to else. an end. Yeah. Yeah. And so take us back a little bit. So you had, you said you had these shitty jobs and then like, when did life really kind of like, wow, okay, this is like, change 180 so like you were living in london you did many things right you worked in a bank you did this you did everything right yeah i i, pl I plotted around a few different jobs i was like i got in i learned a computer program when i was like really young i was still in college and then um i was like studying some music and i dropped out of that business as well i didn't make it through that either um and then i was computer coding and then i went to this firm and i was like working with this old computer firm called Derek graham limited i'm sure it's not around anymore we was writing like Nexpress Cobol and like for any listeners that might know that it's a very old school language it's like can you imagine like dial up the green screens wow. like, like paint from top to bottom and all that so I learned to code that way and then I ended up staying at that job for a long time and I got like comfortable and I was like modifying cars and that was my thing at that time like putting my own engines in different cars and like building them up myself and you know and I had like built little drag cars I used to go and cruise cruise you know, Cruises and stuff. Like Fast and Furious. Right, like, <laughs> you can imagine me on baggy jeans with the hat backwards. Right, little rude boy. <laughs> and did just you, like normal job. Right? And, and did yeah. you think this was going to be it? You thought, did you think like, all right, well, I'm a computer coder, programmer. I'm going to do up cars in my spare time and one day I'll lose the baseball cap, but this is it. <laughs> no, but I just, ne I never really had that forward thinking. Like I was just like, oh, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm at. And like, I wasn't, thinking about my future like it took me a long time to like get into that mindset of like okay I need to like 
plan and like you know they might suggest oh a pension scheme or something like that I'd be like oh fuck that like I was very much just living moment to moment without any real plan and like I was satisfied with very little you know what I mean like uh, and do you think do you think uh, because you didn't have a a clear passion to hit or to to sort of work towards um, that's why you didn't have you didn't have a plan like if you knew look I want to be a musician obviously the plan you can work backwards from the end goal yeah but if you didn't have a goal, you don't have a goal, then there's no steps to put in place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's, it's that. Like, I, I had no urges to satisfy. I guess I was like, wanted to DJ and I love music and that was like a nice little side escape. So like, we got gigs to the weekend. I was writing music with my friend Tom that you know and we were doing that and it was like, that was just it. I was like, oh, this is just it then. Because I, I was never taught to, to dream. Do you know what I mean? I was never Ooh. taught, like I was, I was worth, Worthwhile of something I could achieve. Yeah, that's it more. that's like quite sad to hear. Like I was never taught to dream. Like I don't know about you, Nick. I'm only going to guess yes, but like I was always dreaming. I was always told like you could do anything you wanted, and like you know, sometimes I feel guilty for that, and I just I'm really grateful. But like I was always taught like you really can do anything you want to be an engineer. You can do that. Mm-hmm. You want to be a lawyer? Cool. Like you could do that. Yeah. If you want to do anything. I mean, there are occasional astronauts and things you might have been like rained Steady. in a touch, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but there was never anything like off the table. Mm. And even just no. the ability to like dream and imagine yourself as an astronaut was worthwhile in like development of a charge, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I was never told and never didn't find myself dreaming all the time. I think I still am. I think everyone calls me a dreamer, you know? Yeah. Interesting always... point though, because, and you started talking about it there, um, there's two there's two points really it's it's too many dreams too many choices too much actually can be a massive detriment absolutely mm. you also just said there about I was happy with very little yeah let's look, talk about that a little bit because I can tell you right now I've been digging very deep in that department um, myself and I think it's a massive talking point for our generation is like you know what is what is enough to be satisfied mm. whether it's money material materialism job satisfaction whatever but just let's just talk about that point and and what you i guess what your views are on on that and how you kind of felt yeah because you've just to interrupt you've obviously we will we'll go into detail but you've had it all mm. and you've also had very little yeah so some people never experience both ends of the spectrum you've had flashes of of both you know yeah absolutely yeah i, I mean i don't know today's world is very different you know when i was growing up and a little bit older now and like you know internet wasn't a thing and it, the world was a much bigger place but for me, my surrounding where I grew up, like the little estate that I lived on and like, you know, the, the slide park where everyone hang out at the end of the night and, you know, it was a small world, you know, I wasn't, I think kids today, this generation is aware of so much more. Yeah, it's such a freedom time. in their lives. And yeah, like yeah. you say, it, it might be too See much. everything. And like, it's like, you know, whereas I touched on, like I was comparing the, myself to the people at my school, in my yeah. area, my neighborhood. Yeah. Now that happens on a global scale, I think. Which can be like very scary so for a lot of people. So true. So yeah, I, I don't know where that's going because this is a new world and a new generation and it's like, it's not f- for us to dictate what it should be or could be. Do you know what I mean? This is their time and to see where it's, it goes. I, I think there's a lot of like, a lot of issues with social media and all them sorts of things. And the people that are like these iconic 
people that everyone follows have like all admittedly said it's a very sad and lonely existence. Do you know what I mean? Massively. And but now it's like, it's weird for me like my job and like requires a lot of people's jobs. Like even Freddie yourself or like getting social media and actor and stuff like that. Like you're supposed to have the social media presence and you're judged on it. Like I always get the feeling like if I haven't updated my Instagram. Like when I see people I haven't seen for a while, they just think I'm doing nothing. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, just yeah, assume. Yeah. Just let me know I'm alive. Like, still breathing. Is it, it. Is it true that in the modelling world, I've heard pretty bad stories um, of people actually not going to castings and not getting jobs because their social media following isn't big enough? I wouldn't know from that side, but no. I can definitely see that the people that do have followings are making it as models mm. and the people that maybe have not. I thought for one season or something on the back of the comp card it would be like Danny Schwartz 62 dark hair waist 30 instagram following yeah x many thousand or maybe it was ben our friend ben shout out ben Waddell. but you know what i'm saying yeah, it's yeah. like it actually became a tangible like measurement of whether someone would get a job as much yeah. as height and hair color was yeah following presence influence yeah it's true because these people now they're the influencers they um they get paid to post like that that is the new so you you can be anything you want to do, want to be. This is the good thing about it. Like, if there's something you really want to be, you don't need anyone else to, to sign you or give you a job. You can do it on your own, which is an amazing thing, and it's shook up the whole game. But like with the market of modelling, like there was castings you go into, and they you'd have to fill in your details and, like you say, height or or whatever, and then they have to put in your Instagram handle, and they'd obviously look at that because. They want as much reach and scope as they can. It's just not enough to just be a good-looking guy, a good-looking girl anymore. Yeah. You've got to have reach, which is uh, it's mm. difficult. It's difficult. So I, I mean, I don't know if it's just me, like with the market, or just my generation, the models that are coming up now. It's like there's kids that there used to be these requirements. You have to be six two. You have to have this certain ways. You have to have this certain frame. Now it's like it doesn't matter as long as you've got over a certain amount of followers. That's crazy. <laughs> so it's nuts. So tell us, like. I know a little bit about it from both experience and living closely with you guys, but for someone listening that's like, how do you just end up being like this model living in New York, billboards in Times Square? Like, so you were working as this computer engineer, yeah. and then take us on like a brief journey of like leaving that job and... Yeah, it was, it's, a very, it's a funny story actually, because I think when I was like quite young, I was like 16, 17, there was like this urge to like get out and do something else like break the mold I just was knew I was not happy in my little world I was in this existence I'd built and I was like there was something more for me I didn't know what it was but I knew that I just had to break out of that and I went around to like I took two days off work <laughs> and then I went to London and I got a list of all these agencies I remember walking into Models 1 and were like okay you're not for us but like here's a list and like you can go around and walk into all these places there's certain times and stuff they have walk-ins and so I spent two days, I went to every single agency and not one of them picked me up. I was like, okay, fuck it, I'm going to go back to my job <laughs> and try and find something else, I don't know. And then a few years later, like a few years later, I remember going back to these agencies and then it was a completely different reception. Like the first one I went to, which automatically said no, they were like, yep, yeah, I'll take you right now. I was like, oh, really? Let me go and try another one. And they were like, yep, yeah, we'll take you now. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, I didn't think I looked What made you go back for a second phase? I didn't find anything else. <laughs> <laughs> you thought, all right, one more yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One more crack. Yeah. And but was this something people were telling you to do or did you always fancy the lifestyle? Like what, what made you initially think this is... This is where I'm gonna take two days and. I, yeah, I don't know. Hustle. I think it's because I honestly view and even today is I've never like 
I never remember looking at myself going, oh, God, you're a good-looking guy, aren't you? Look at this. Yeah. This is wasted. <laughs> no, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> More people should see this. <laughs> I just, like, I guess a couple of people had said something about it, and like I was, I just maybe I got that like you know glimmer of hope in yeah. my mind. Like, oh, well, <laughs> yeah. It's true. Let me try it. I have yeah, to. Yeah, I have yeah. to know. And then it all happened very quickly. The second time when I got signed, I picked up, and then I was a. Uh, I remained in like London for like six months and it was like kind of learning this new world. It was very, very exciting stuff and started working off the bat and then within six months I found myself in New York after doing like the Milan show. So the way it works, new models, they go and do like the big shows in Milan and then they kind of go around and that way you can see all the designers, you get picked up, you get your face known, and you get on these catwalks and stuff like that. And I ended up getting picked up exclusively for Calvin Klein. And then you, you walk just for that show. So they put you up in a nice hotel and you stay there and they feed you and you do test runs. And it's like, for me, it was like this South London kid coming out of court. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Right. It's nuts. <laughs> All these like super Young mom, people. check this out. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling my bread wins up saying, yeah, I bled. You never, <laughs> never guess where I am. <laughs> and was it, was it like something you were comfortable with or throughout this even though it was fun and you know room service was paid for were you like what is going on like, yeah i was weird because like a lot of the other guys like they were just from all over do you know what i mean it was just a mixed bag of everyone from all over the world and like young kids excited kids some have been there for a while doing it it was just you're just thrust into this world of like where there isn't one type of person like anyone from anywhere can do this job Mm-hmm. if they fit this criteria or someone says you know you fit this criteria so it was just interesting to be around such like cool amazing people that I've met that I'd never been around before so I kind of just went you just go with it it's like alright I'm just going to ride this and I just expected it to last a year or so like I'll have a gap year and this will be quite fun and mm. see where it goes and then it like 10 years on I'm still still, <laughs> still, still clinging on <laughs> by the claws and so after Milan you moved to New York yeah so I, I met someone in uh, Milan shows who wanted to sign me who ran a New York agency and like I just immediately had a connection with her and I thought this is someone I think is going to look after me you know and then before I knew it I was like moved to New York and then had a big couple of years and done all these campaigns and was like Forbes number four in the world and it was like it was a whirlwind it was just a lot of fun you fly everywhere and you work with these famous photographers and these beautiful women and you get paid do you like the beautiful women part? it was alright you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then obviously this is how many years ago? eight, nine? yeah nine years ago nine, ten years ago so so uh, have you found that you have changed or your perspective has changed um, over the course of those 10 years, um, you know, whether you've had to navigate some, some issues in terms of self-image and constantly trying to uphold some kind of look or physique, mm. you know, or just attitude. You know, fashion is one of those funny industries, you know what I mean? There's a part to play. Yeah. It's quite theatrical in its own way. And did you find, like, this humble boy from South London suddenly hanging out with designers in penthouses like what what sort of things were going on at the time did you miss your old life at all did you find the new one just great or were there obstacles to overcome mm. yeah no it's, it, it opened my eyes really and I'm like so grateful for that because like I've discovered what it is that makes me tick and I've realised that like like you said earlier like you can achieve 
these things if there's something you really want to do it's possible like if you've got the grit and determination you want it enough then anything is possible and like I wouldn't have known that otherwise you know and being around some great influential people and people that are doing some amazing things it was it, it was amazing for me there was there's some downsides to it of course and there's the massive upswing of it because I don't know where I'd be now and like now I'm studying and pursuing things that really make me happy which I never would have even considered given my life and how I grew up. Take us back to some of the downsides like to a lot of people being a male model as you say traveling around the world money women kind of laid back lifestyle you know what I mean? Yeah. Like people must think it's kind of like we look at sportsmen or we look at actors and we think oh their life's easy like and everyone must obviously have darker times yeah um and obstacles no matter how rich famous successful you are yeah. like what were some of the downsides you found for me for me personally like it, it it always felt like this was gonna be over any minute and i had no control over dictating how my future was gonna go or end up that would always scared the shit out of me like it was like well you know what am i gonna do after this like i'm doing nothing right now i'm not building a career i'm not working towards something as i was working at a bank i'd be plotting my way to a promotion i'd be going somewhere so it's just kind of like a wasted plot of time and when i when the industry's done with me they're just going to spit me out and i'm Ooh. left nowhere with nothing yeah and it just always scared me so you know a lot of the years we had it was just you go out, you party, you go to these exclusive parties, you drink for free, it's a promoter's table with these beautiful girls, and it's always like glamorous life, but it, it didn't feel real, and it didn't, I never felt like I deserved it. I felt like, well, I'm not doing anything for this. Like, mm. So there was no real reward in it for me. And I, I've always known, I've always liked to work hard. I feel like, you know, if I go on a nice holiday or I go out to a nice club, like, I want to feel like I deserve it. Yeah. And with the modeling, I just didn't feel like I deserved any of it. I didn't, do anything to look like this <laughs> like, <laughs> he won't remember this but I was in New York with Danny once at this fucking bus drives by and there's like Danny with his boxes on for Armani <laughs> right and I was like bro you're on a fucking bus I was like so happy you know it's like kids are brought up like one day I want to be on a London bus and this yeah. was a New York bus right and Dan couldn't be less fucked I was like he's like I always wanted to be on a bus for something I was like truly proud of like I released a fucking number one hit song or like I was the star in a movie just I was born like this I didn't have to put in any work and I remember completely changing my opinion of like yeah. what it must feel like like you feel like you took a shortcut almost yeah. or that like you weren't truly proud you didn't put in much work you know to achieve that level of yeah I don't know if you remember that yeah I do remember that actually and I, I found out what, what at the early on I was People telling me like, oh, there's billboards around Croydon, Croydon High Street. <laughs> that I quite liked. Because <laughs> I left my stamp in Croydon. I like, yes. I've gone, I've made it out. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's like it's a superficial thing. Like, if I just look at pictures of myself, Ooh. I'm like, that's just, that's not me. That's just a face in some clothes. Like, it did, it, yeah, it does, I never got any gratification from it at all. No. It's interesting because that, I think, haven't come across people in that industry as well. I think there's two types. The ones that probably very much like yourself that, you know, maybe feel a little bit unfulfilled by it and it's a bit of an empty high. Mm-hmm. And those, those people often also can be quite smart with, maybe they're like, look, this is a means to an end. They'll take the money and they'll invest it or they'll do constructive stuff with it. 
Or I remember once being in a changing room in close to my old, old, old office actually. And there was two guys in there, clearly young models, must have been like 20. And one of them was like, oh yeah, bro, like the, uh, my agency owes me 20 grand. I can't wait to literally just blow it all up my nose. And I was like, fuck me, do you know how much money that is? You know, if you took, in my head I'm going calculator out, like if you took half of that and put it in a bank and then invest it over like X number of years, like you would make this. And then maybe have some fun with the other bit. He's just like, give it to me now and it's gone. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that everybody maybe goes through stupid, they make stupid decisions sometimes when when they have access to that kind of stuff. But Mm. And so quickly, it's, it's yeah, not like it's, a gradual exactly, build-up. Yeah, it's not like and each year not salary rise. It's like yeah. zero to one hundred. Yeah, you've not had gone. the education to. It's um, like you know, similar type of thing. We're talking about sports, sportsmen and women. You know, if they don't have that knowledge, which is not necessarily their fault, mm. then suddenly it can all come tumbling down, and they could have set themselves up really nicely with that really small window. So when it does, as you say, like. If, it, if they do chew you out and spit you out, you've got a bit of real estate or you've got a bit yeah. of money stashed so you can invest in that uni course that you wanted to do or something like that. Mm. But yeah, it's interesting. Like There's t- two sides to that world for sure where you know people kind of let it runs away with them a lot. I, I remember a lot of kids like, uh, because it's a whirlwind, you like you yeah. just get onto it and you're in it. I remember yeah. a lot of kids, they'd be like, and these agencies would tell them, you know, like, oh, to leave university and stuff like that these kids will be studying they might have two years Ooh. left and they're like oh fuck I'm going to quit and I'm like no don't quit like Ooh. what are you doing you could do this on the side and keep doing it and just go and study and yeah. finish uni like have that degree like have something of substance before you just throw yourself in wholeheartedly because it's it's very attractive it's like a, a fly to a light you know what I mean it's a beautiful thing you just can't help but like go and, and touch it but you have to remember, and a lot of these kids that get into it are very young. Like some kids you've seen, they're like 14, 15, Ooh. especially the girls. Yeah. And they, there's no one to take care of that because all these agencies and companies are interested in this, how you look very, at that moment, can we use you right now? And they don't care about your well-being. There's nothing set up like an actor's guild or yeah. a union or anything like that. So these kids are just well, thrown rough, into yeah. it and like, you know, told how amazing they are. And then when they're not wanted anymore, they're just spat to the side. So... I, I, like, I, I do know there's a lot of... Like, how flawed do you see the modelling industry? Do you see it as actually like, this has given me an opportunity I would never have had, I'm thankful for it and all this stuff, or do you actually look at it now, especially, and think, this isn't a well-run, like, you it's, know, industry. Yeah. It's, it's dark and there's a lot of shaming and... Mm. Like, I don't know. It's, it's different. There are good people and bad people in every industry. And uh, then I've been fortunate enough to have agents that kind of like have taken care of me who I trust who look after my best interests, which seems to be quite a rarity. So I think I was like quite lucky in that sense. You know, there's a lot of shit that's come up with photographers and CD, CD stuff going on. But I think you see it everywhere. It's just more highlighted in industries that are like, you know, accessible to the public and the actors and the modeling. So... I don't really know. I think, you know, someone's educated and someone's got their wits about them and they can see it as a stepping stone or a platform to something else. But I don't think it's something you can lose your dreams into. I don't think there's anyone that dreams of... Maybe there is, I don't know. But I don't think anyone dreams of being a model. I don't know. Perhaps there are because you see these shows, but I think they've been sold something that doesn't really exist. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like this, 
stardom you might see someone on the side of the bus that like you mentioned like oh wow like, that's going to be so amazing that, I don't really think it is <laughs> amazing <laughs> but I don't know there's always levels and tiers to it you know it's like a Victoria's Secret model top who's a millionaire is very different from a top male model like there's a huge yeah. difference, oh. difference in that you can do female modeling and, and hit the top and do that for a few years and you're a millionaire Whereas guys, you can be a top guy for years and years and years and not even touch anywhere near what they earn. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very different. And have you seen many people like come flying off the Kabe belt in a few months? And obviously you've probably seen people last as long as you have. Yeah. Like what's the ratio? Those that join the game tend to be, like they say, put it this way, they say in the NFL, three years is the average career. Three years. That's Three it. years, whether Fuck. it's injury, you're getting dropped. I don't know that. Yeah. That's mad. Um, so when you look at a Tom Brady who's been playing for like 20 years, you think that's normal. And obviously here yeah. in England with like football and rugby and stuff, yeah, wow. they're short, but they're 12 to 13 year careers. Yeah. And on average, what, 10? Is that Brady because he's a quarterback? And like, he's, he's, I don't know. I think Brady's just the anomaly. Yeah, but like the, I mean, there's some guys that play American football and they take an absolute pounding. Yeah, yeah I mean, quarterback is more protective than yeah. like a wide receiver or a running back. Yeah, but still, yeah. and I, I, yeah, I think just going back, like your guess is like how many people have managed to navigate the industry long, long, long as you, you know? Yeah, like do most of them come off or? I'd say like a, the large percentage of people that is fleeting, it's gone. Like sometimes even a season and. You know, there's been seasonal changes where one minute with guys I'm referring to, they'd be like, the big guy's in, the long hair's in. Next minute it's like skinny, lean, mm. kind of weird looking. Next season it's Prada might change and something else is fashionable. So they just find these guys to match. I think the, from my understanding, like if you're kind of a classic, classically good looking guy, then you can have a longer run at it. But if you're one of them like kind of weird things that's like comes in and goes... It's just like a seasonal thing, and so you can go in. And you, and you, you reckon that you being probably more on the classically handsome side. Um, has Frank's ready. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you said it. Yeah, like, for, <laughs> for the record. <laughs> yeah. Nice delivery. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of another word. I was like, <laughs> look me right in um, the eyes. Yeah, look me right in the eyes. Stroke your foot. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, do you think that's the reason you managed to last, or would you like to think it's something greater than that? Like, I, I, I don't know. There's definitely an element of like because the, the industry changes. Like, I went from doing like these really like an exclusive big jobs with hundreds of people producing them, big campaigns, the Calvin Kleins and the Amani's and whatnot, and then on the flip side of that, like this, the the industry has changed as a as a whole because now a lot of the stuff is online, which takes the glamour out of the. Um, Mm. the whole thing it used to be like catalogs and campaigns and you go away to these like lavish resorts and you'd shoot now it's in the studio you've got 400 shots and it's just like go 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 Ooh. go it's just like hard work yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like a, a shitty job <laughs> <laughs> and that was a lot of it and then like this stuff would come out editorials and stuff every now and then you're like oh you can fly away for this but it seems to be less and less and less maybe it's just less for me but it, it seems to be the way of the industry now where it's I've even I've done one recently where it was um with a big photographers and we had a studio shoot and you know they basically shot me in front of like a green screen type deal so i had my foot placed here and it's like okay left a bit of your foot right a bit of mm. foot, okay that right shoulder forward take the shot and then they were just superimposing me on like oh, location yeah <laughs> i was yeah. like that's, that's it then that's the end of like location shoots like that's the fun wow. Bit of the job. yeah wow so it's like the, i think they spend less money on it now and like you know 
just it's a it's a fashion industry it's a business of selling clothes basically that's what you're doing and so it's very much dictated on how that business is doing so yeah and of course the high street going the way that it seems to right now like surely that's having a yeah that's digging into it a lot because people are saying they don't really care if the high street disappears yeah so what does that mean for like your billboards like yeah they're just online yeah so but then they say seventy percent of malls in the US have closed yeah, yeah, down. Seventy percent in the last really? like ten years or so, yeah. And okay, just flipping away from modelling, like what was it like uh culturally moving to New York? Like uh for those of you that don't know South London, it's it's not Soho, New York, or it's not <laughs> the West Village. No. Um but I do like it, Danny, don't worry. <laughs> just um just culturally, like hanging out at the slide park to hanging out yeah, PhD with LeBron and Leo. Like, tell me what that must be like. Um, I mean, it was. I mean, that the, the first year in New York, like the first couple of years, were amazing. I everywhere I'd walk, it was just like a huge like bounce in my step, and you walk around looking up, looking up, wow, 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 and amazing. And eventually, you kind of looking forward, and then you're just looking at the ground. It becomes like anywhere else, and I think it's a shitty thing to say. Yeah, yeah, it sounds terrible, but I've been there ten years, so it's. It's very much just home. There's there's some days now I've I've ride the bridge back or the the city's illuminated as you come over Williamsburg Bridge. I'm like fuck man, this is like it's an amazing favorite, place. Favorite view that. Yeah, it's so amazing. Alive. And like New York is great because it's it's so condensed right yeah. there. So everything's happening. You feel you feel like you've got your finger on the pulse of everything the whole time. Yeah. So I imagine if you're in London, you're in Soho, you're very much on that vibe. And that's oh it. mate, and like, that was the worst thing when I moved from New York back to London. I felt so spread out and like train journeys that were not that far seemed just miles away like you could have and in New York it just was so accessible and everyone is thirsty and hustling for success yeah New York has got its foot on the gas the whole time everyone's doing something Mm. you feel like they're doing more than me I need to work harder yeah I need to be higher up in the building and like closer to the center you know what I mean like you keep on trying to work your way in that's yeah that's a really interesting point I think we should elaborate a bit on that. Yes. Yeah. Pushing, we've spoken about this before, pushing, striving, constant, like, am I good enough? Is this enough? What's he doing over there? What's he doing over there? Oh, he's doing that. Mm. And that's, we know that that's damaging. So mm. what, what's your kind of, what have you learned from that? Kind of invite both of you, to be honest. Mm. Have you, that environment can become very toxic. Yeah, um, and can push you into some actually make you very lonely I the th- thing is I think New York again one of its beauties is that there is the richest and some of the poorest areas within such a small space yeah, so as much as you're looking up at the penthouse you're looking also under yeah. the subway you know bus and there's there's a real honour I think in New York like a sort of honour to be like yeah I'm broke and I'm hungry but I'm going to make it you know, and in LA, I'm here, which is the other side, which is, I don't know why the fuck I haven't won an Oscar yet. I'm so fucking brilliant. And look at the mm. green juice right here. And I'm going to Equinox for five hours. You know what I mean? There's yeah, a sort yeah. of like, you would never <laughs> be in LA and tell anyone, hey, mate, I haven't booked a job for like two seasons now. And I'm broke as fuck. You know, it's like mm, that's the whole image. Whereas New York, there's like a, hum- yeah. a humbleness and a sort of kudos to being like a hustling artist. Mm. And therefore, I think the only comparison is sort of the the 
the looking up at the tower and thinking like, if I do my thing, I can make it there, knowing that it's all about the journey. We've spoken about this before. It's not yeah. the end result, like the movie's completed. It's Just the preparation for the it, job yeah. and the filming it. Mm. And I think that that like race, they call it the rat race, don't they, for a reason, but it's like that race in the city is like everyone's keeping everyone accountable. There yeah. is no time not to be working your hardest, even if it doesn't go perfectly. Yeah. You know, New York crushes a lot of dreams. Let's be real here. You know, yeah. it makes as many as they crush. But we're all trying to make each other better by constantly working towards our goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think don't know that if I really Yeah, it does. I think that energy is different. Having been there enough times, but obviously not lived there, you, I do. I feel like there is a lot of it, that in American culture, but even if it's not about hustling but I think there is that you know people do keep people accountable I think you're right whereas London maybe sometimes feels like it's a bit more judgmental it's about have you got that yet have you achieved that yet have you got that promotion yet are mm. you partner are you driving the Aston I'm just using like very generic terms yes. like descriptions but you're right it's probably more like let's all sit around and yeah we might be broke or things might not be going that well but we're kind of enjoying every day and I'm lucky to live in Manhattan yeah. to be honest mm-hmm. or like you know because that in itself is a privilege I would say yeah I think that know? that attitude as well is like uh, drives society in its like current form like you know wanting and needing more like I've got to step forward and like you'd, you're never going to stop to appreciate where exactly you are there's mm. always something more that you want and for me, it's been quite interesting because I've had both worlds. I've come from a very poverty-stricken background to having all the money in the world, more money than I know what to do with, and like you know, not knowing how to spend it or whatever, and like being just as unhappy then as I was when I was young, you know, mm. because there's always this undying like drive for what's something next? else. Like, what's next? Yeah. And it's like, When's it enough? But for me, like I, I've kind of learned that it's like I, I don't have any. I don't drive for like I want to be rich. I want to drive this car. I want to have this. I think just the journey is something like the pursuit is something if you've got a goal that you really want to achieve and it's something that you truly believe in then it doesn't matter where how far along the line and you get with that dream as long as you're on that line yeah and you're doing it and you're not you're doing, doing something it. you're not you're not interested in which is exactly the the journey that i've kind of started on or i've been exploring is like that yeah, maybe all the material stuff isn't the answer. In fact, it's not maybe it isn't the answer because you get the taste of it and it's not that great. And then you're like, well, now what? Like, how many fucking Rolexes can you have? You know, yeah. how many cars can you have in the garage? Actually, it's more about, I hate to use, I don't, actually, I don't care. It's the, the experiences over things is such a big mm. thing. Yeah. Such a big thing. And you must have been on, you know, obviously with the shoots and everything, experienced the, like, the travel for work, which is nice. But surely it's better when you're in like somewhere nice and you're seeing some different culture and you're like, well, that's a good use of my money and a good use of my time mm. over the the empty like material stuff that you could amass in being a successful model or being successful in business or being successful as an actor or whatever it is, mm. you know. And we've looked a lot of that kind of stuff and like yeah. it's, it's a big thing because I think we, we're just lost in this it's it's called the disease of more and it's a big problem disease of more yeah yeah, yeah I mean like we all look back over our lives if you go oh let me account for the last 10 years I'm sure you're not going to think oh man remember when I bought that Rolex you know I was walking around with that or like oh you remember when I, I got that new car I got this you think like I think of 
times I have with my friends or something I experienced or that was like, I, I think of the experiences. Have you always been like that? Or do you um, think it took you a little bit to learn that? Well, I never really, I think because I was so poor as well. Like for me, I, I've still got this affliction where like, I've got a, like a, a, like a terrible, I buy a lot of shoes. And like, I know that was like, when I grew up, it was a real status thing. I yeah. was like, my shoes were like, had holes in them when I went to school and it was very much a status thing. If you That's had like so nice trainers, like yeah. that was a thing. I was like, I've made it because I've got the new Reeboks. I used to get like, if I managed to get a new pair of shoes at school, because my mum used to put like plastic bags in my feet when it was snowing, like because I had holes in my shoes to get there and like embarrassed, take plastic bags. I think it's like a real embarrassing thing for me. So I remember when I, when I was young, I'd get a new pair of shoes and I'd like, I'd sleep with them. I'd put them in the box every night, keep them stuffed out. Like, yeah, that was a really yeah. special, special thing to me. Like, it's beautiful in that's anyway. Symbolic. It's beautiful. That's yeah. why I like that because it, it symbolizes where you, you know, it's, there's always a reason. I've learned this to be when, by being, trying to be more humble and more accepting of, of different people's scenarios. And it's, I'm so interested when people say stuff like that. And you, if you actually analyze it, it's really symbolic of like where they've come from or, there's always like a reason why someone's like that. Yeah. Why we why we all need to be a bit less judgmental. It's like, all right, that guy's wearing a lot of chains because it's not my vibe, but it's just there's probably a reason why he wants yeah. to do that and he needs to project that into the world because he didn't have it when he was growing up or he's just that in in that moment it makes him feel it makes him feel part of something or whatever, but it's Yeah. These things are like lessons, you know, that people have learned through their lives, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, de- I definitely agree. Um, and so, recently, like, I know this, I, obviously everyone else won't, but like, you've been having a little bit of success in acting, and like, that seems to be something that, in the 12 years I've known you, has lit some serious passion in you, and, and awoken many, like, perhaps like dormant fires, like, mm. that now, like, I... I talk to you and see you on your like acting journey and you're probably the most excited I've seen you in a decade. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think A, you're very talented and B, you know, other people seem to be responding and you've got the hustle and drive. Um, but was that something that just naturally came on from modeling or did it, was there something or, or an individual that you spoke to or someone that, gave you that chance to turn up at acting school and give this a go. Yeah, I, it was, my, my first agency was, um, I mean, like growing up, like I, I realize now, like I'm a very artistic person. Like I love the arts, I love making music, I love understanding instruments, I love DJing, I love performing, you know, but like growing up in Croydon, like in the school that I grew up in, like it wasn't a thing, you didn't do that. You just didn't get into that, it wasn't an option for me. So that journey of New York, like I, I, I it enabled me to discover things about myself and like acting I got into like I think quite early on in my New York journey and I went to a school which you know not knowing anything about the schools the good schools to go to was just someone my agency recommended it's like it was like you're good looking like you could be an actor and I thought it was as simple as that yeah. I was like okay I'll take a couple classes and I'll go and shoot a movie <laughs> <laughs> I literally thought that's what would happen so I remember going to this class for like, and it was like this woman that, um, I ended up looking back at her with like real resentment. And I don't know why I do that. And I still do to this day. And I shouldn't because that was just someone else like fulfilling her dreams. But she was a casting director who then took over a school and then was teaching these 
actors, these hungry actors that wanted to make it, and she was just selling the dream, and she wouldn't, she couldn't teach you how to act. It was nothing of like real core benefit in there, which is like a very superficial thing. Like, oh, this is what a good actor looks like. This is what a bad actor looks like. It's like okay. And we'd stay up to like six in the morning and her talks about like famous actors she's been with. And it was like, oh God, yeah, I really want that. And she made it seem like it was not a real instrument of like, that you could learn. Anyway, I went off, like I really got the bug for that. And then I went off and done Stella Adler and I went to these really great schools. And like, I've been studying, I guess, like for nine years in acting schools all over, I bounced around, Bruce Lee style. <laughs> <laughs> and only recently I joined a new school, MAW, which is like last three years I've been there. And it's just a fantastic way of working. And I knew having like studied it a little bit, it was a way of me understanding my own self at a deeper level. You know, that was my driving force behind it. You know, once I realized it's a difficult industry to get into, it's a real skill. You know, and it's something I think is achievable by anyone and everyone because it's basically you pull in the layers away like an onion where you're just left with yourself and that complete knowledge <laughs> that that is enough. You know, I love that onion. There's a thing called the self awareness onion, which is all about that stripping all the layers away and then. Just being, that's why I'm going to a fucking yoga retreat to yeah. literally just peel everything off and you sit and. Yeah, like a snake shed a skin. Yeah, you have to deal with what's there. And it, like yeah. for a lot of people, that's very uncomfortable, but I think it's an amazing thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you can, like, for acting for me, it was, a, it was a form of that. Like, I think you can achieve the same things through meditation and through spiritual awareness and through spiritual journeys like the one you're about to embark on, which I'm sure you do a lot of anyway. So, like, that was a way. Of me understanding myself and I second that I mean having gone to a very similar school that's why I moved over there like again perhaps I didn't understand the depth of it um, when I got to this particular school but really it's like therapy in many ways it's like meditation in many ways like yeah. it's a you really figure out like who you are and like what hurts and what doesn't yeah. and what really makes you happy you start like just simple self-discovery through playing roles and just you know what I mean yeah. I, I love it I love it yeah I'd recommend like the, the school I go to like uh, the guy's book Anthony Mindell he's like at left brain term right there's, there's not much in there about acting at all it's all about like awareness self-awareness like how the brain functions and like a deeper a way of having a deeper understanding of yourself and that's basically I think what acting is you know is allowing yourself to emote in a situation in a real way under a set of circumstances. So here, let's to, to, to conclude this, I think this might be nice. I've been thinking about this for the last like 10 minutes. Like, if Danny now could go back and speak to Danny by the slide in Freud, <laughs> like what, what would he say? And like what, like lesson? What are you doing, son? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, 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 we don't speak like that anymore. <laughs> um, but what lessons and what yeah. things would you say are fundamental to hold on to? Is there any tips and advice you'd give someone who could be listening or like, I'm just trying to... Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think that if I, if I had an opportunity to talk to myself, myself and that back then would just tell me to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but... <laughs> um, fuck off and give me your watch if. <laughs> no but I would say like I, I was a very insecure like kid and I had no um, I had no belief in myself whatsoever and I was just like there trying to like figure out who I could be influenced by who could be around or were they going to accept me and you know what I mean I didn't I had none of that so I just 
I probably tell myself that it's like, hey man, like you know, you're enough. You're you're good. Mm. Don't stress it. You know, and you can achieve anything. No one ever told me that. It'd be nice to hear that. It's a good way. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I like that a lot. Got some. Mate, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Yes, really Thank you. Oh, that's terrible. Fucking <laughs> legend. All right, people. It's us done. Peace. Thank you. Bye Peace. bye. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, Danny had some really interesting stuff to, to say. And I think. Um, there's some valuable lessons and insight to come out of that. So uh, if you had any thoughts or comments or wanted to ask Danny anything, you know you can write to us at the Gmail account or leave a comment. I think you can leave a comment on Anchor. I'm not sure. But anyway, next week, we're, we're taking, taking a breather. Break. Nick's going away again. Yeah, going to meditate. So priorities. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. We'll hopefully have another guest. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, those of you that haven't listened to last week's, please do and get on board with this next one as well. All right, people. Peace. Enjoy. Enjoy.